guys, and welcome to Reactive Attachments. I want to thank you for joining our actual official first episode where we are introducing the realities of reactive attachment and attachment um, disorder caregiving. So the Reactive Attachments podcast is intended to create awareness and provide support within the RAD community. Our primary position is to serve and support the caregivers of children and dependents that meet the criteria for attachment and trauma disorders. We are not a substitute for licensed medical intervention. The views, opinions, and therapeutic strategies discussed here are strictly offered for discussion and debate. Our structure and language may be triggering for some, so contact us directly at reactiveattachments at gmail.com if you become triggered, and we will recommend a more suitable network within our knowledge base. I'm Taylor, and I'm excited to be here talking about all this with you guys today. And I am Danielle, and um, just to put it down on record, we are married, so you can go ahead and check that off, you don't have to figure it out. But um, just to go over our history a bit, um, we met when we were 15, so we've officially been together for longer than we weren't, so that'll give you a little bit about our age. So we met in high school when we were young ourselves and learning and developing. Um, we have remained close since, really, um, each other's best friends, network, um, biggest challenge as well. Um, basically, so Janu- we, we officially met January of 03. Yeah, we met in January of 03, and then... Um, Ninth grade. Freshman year. Yeah, ninth grade, <laughs> fresh, freshman year, so we were young. And um, together, we now have 15 years of experience with directly um, caregiving and raising a child diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, and she will be 15 this year, This year, which means um, she was born in 2004, so very shortly after we met. But that's part of the reason why we're here. For sure. So, um, so our daughter is uh, 14 and a half, a little over a half now, right? So she'll be 15. She'll make sure to say that half. Right. She'll be 15. I mean, I think she thinks she's like full grown 30 year old though, you know? We think she's like eight, but she thinks she's like 30. So, uh, she'll be 15 this summer. Um, we were, uh, I was friends, I was personally friends with her mom and, um, Everything was just kind of a neglect, uh, you know, typical uh, kind of opiate dependency type situation um, with neglect involved. And at about, I think, I can't remember, it was either 14 or 16 months, DCF gets involved and um, uh, removes her uh, permanently. And um, I was given uh, emergency temporary custody at that point. We had a case plan. Um, and we actually were told during that process even though she was so young, that Rad was in our future. So we knew really early on that Rad was going to be um, kind of on the table for us, even though there was no diagnostic uh, mechanism really for a child under the age of two. But there was also um, no outreach towards 
not at all. Anybody, um, like, there wasn't follow up like a, hey, just to let you know what to expect, or right. this is what we know to this point. Um, you know, you're basically a child yourself, and here's this child, child. yeah, that um, has been uh, traumatized right. by her birth mother. Generationally, yeah. Yeah, generally, generationally, yes. And uh, so, Brad, yes, it was uh, known and it was a topic, but what did that mean? We, I, didn't, we didn't know. Until we didn't we, know. Until we knew. Yeah, we didn't know. We're still learning. It is, um, we kind of also just, you know, just, we come from a place where there aren't any resources or tools. Um, the system's overwhelmed. They just want to place children. Absolutely overwhelmed. Um, we actually know another young lady who was given full adoption, you know, rights of her niece at the age of 18. I also was 18, 19 when, when everything was finalized with the court. So, I mean, you know, children not raising their own children, you know, that's like the typical thing, kids raising kids. It's kids intervening, um, becoming the intervention <laughs> segue for these trauma scenarios when the state is overwhelmed. And so um, I was in no way prepared and... Yeah, we've just really been like white knuckling it. We white knuckled it for a really long time, just trying to figure out how to manage the triangulation and the um, all of that counterintuitive behavior from, you know, to, not even a toddler. You're a toddler, yeah. I mean, it's like early on before two. I mean, there was signs there that you knew. You could just feel instinctually um, in in your gut that were not normal developmental things and like there was a lot of um, typical signs of a child's development brain curiosity interaction with their environment that was not there and we didn't even know I mean we were just you know kind of struggling to just survive and deal with the circumstances at hand and so like the amount of I think would you say retrospection and introspection that we've spent the last years just like looking back at okay we knew this wasn't exactly regular if you will but we had no idea what we were dealing with then so now we not only have we lived through it all but now we've been able to assess it and um then came puberty and um that stage in adolescence and in life introduces um a lot of struggles and new territory when you're dealing with um a quote-unquote normal child um but then bring attachment issues um trauma background anything of that nature into it while puberty um is starting and things get very messy very fast so um we hit a point to where we felt very isolated and um i guess vulnerable and not validated we kind of hit a wall in a sense and we went looking for support and in doing that um we came to the realization that we couldn't really find a platform or a group that fit the needs um that we wanted and believe that other people needed too yeah so we we were seeking support um you know we've been involved in all of the research we've always kind of you know somewhat kept up with what's going on in the uh would you say in academia and in and in the medical community and it's never been uh, there's never been an, a level of efficacy for us there so we um started by just like joining some groups on facebook and 
what we realized there was that there was a whole new world of situations uh, in the attachment disorder uh, category. So we were kind of bombarded with what they call adult rads, and we were um, overwhelmed with overly optimistic new caregivers that were not kind of, you know, um, they hadn't really been at it long. So they were still very judgmental and very like, uh, you know, just attacking of parents that were venting and there was a whole segment of uh, a very large segment of people that needed kind of a safe space to validate each other desperately needed to validate each other they needed to say hey is this normal what are you guys doing what do you think of this process um these are my instincts and not be attacked by by the biased uh community that was kind of existing at that time uh, we tried to exist in the space that was available and, and like extract from it. It was an interesting time for us, but then we just kind of um, hit some speed bumps where we were like, okay, this is not... Ethically, we were challenged to um, kind of create our own space, and so we did that. Yeah, um, Taylor really took it head on, and um, she dove in very strong and decided that if there wasn't a place that was uh, pre-existing that she was going to um, almost choreograph that Mm -hmm. and um, together we agreed on um, the structure boundaries or um, freedoms and what would and uh, not what would and wouldn't be kind of allowed in a sense permitted um, meaning um, unwanted judgment religious overtone yeah religious overtone and also like we wanted to create a place where parents could come in and type the tips of their fingers off with vulgar words and just rant and rave into their computer where usually they would scream into a pillow alone but here there were people receiving it on the other end that felt the same Um, because if you don't have somewhere to vent and somewhere where you feel understood and validated um, then that affects your life even more so we we felt that there was an important need for people to have a safe place so they could actually be better in their get it um, out home, yeah, and like get it out. Don't harbor that and not feel and not feel so like isolated and not feel so um, confused because the the information that you're receiving from the state sources, you know, social services, they're all telling you uh, the medical community is telling you that you're wrong, that um, you need to do it this way, and even though you continuously overwhelm yourself with all of these options and all of these, you know, uh, strategies that are not working, they're, they're not even so much as putting a dent in progress, um, you are literally just running around chasing your tail and nothing's changing except for you're becoming more and more desperate. So what we did was we made a very structured community that has very, very strict um, vetting policy for uh, membership. And we frequently go on what we call moratorium, where we don't even add new members so, so that we can um, kind of moderate and sift through what we have. It's an st- extremely protected space. It's a very, it's, it's grown. Uh, I mean, we keep having the conversation of like, what is the limit? And it's an ethical dilemma for the moderators as well, because like it just grows. I mean, it's constantly growing. And, we're and it's hard to um, put a limit on something when there are people out there with a need and that it's a valid need. Life but also, at the same time, um, there are dangers that lurk within those requests. And yeah. you, you have 
have to be thorough you and you have to protect you have to protect you have to create like a, a force yeah. and a united force um because these caregivers deserve that um they've been creating it for the children independence and they've been restructuring and changing their environment so c- constantly that they need something consistent themselves and that's that's like a, a really good point too to mention is that um, you know when we first started it we didn't really know what the, what it was gonna evolve to uh, we, I don't think I ever considered the fact that we would have to you know really hardline mitigate uh, you know membership like um, and we're not even gonna we're not even gonna mention the name of the group or give you guys any kind of uh, pathway to find it because it's just a very protected space so we do have a lot of experience um, from being admins of that but that's why this podcast exists because. Um, the things that are not allowed, uh, there's no kind of, there's no marketing or promotion or, um, there, you know, you can't say like, Hey, this, this is such an exposing, like amazing resource. Can I just have my aunt, my mom, my husband just join the group and just see all this validation? No, absolutely not. It is a dangerous, um, even concept, but this podcast on the other hand is something that can be more free flowing in the engagement and information. I mean, we're, we're completely open to opposition and debate and engagement from any source, any skeptics, you know, um, just something that we can't allow in that group. You know, it's just not, it's just not a possibility for what we've structured that to be. So this, this can, this absolutely can. Um, this is a space where we can, um, we can talk and we can have somebody guest appear or write in that maybe doesn't feel the way we feel or maybe um you know there are therapists that have experienced something that they want to share and and then we can give the insight from within the home of a child with rad and we can get the voices out and get why there's such a um opposition on all sides really on this topic and this reality um so it also it's a place where um, our fellow caregivers out there if you're listening like you can come here and you can have our support and our our non-judgment and then if you are not that but you're the opposite you can also come here and we can talk and try to figure out you know our differences and where the weak spots are and how we can uh, progress and further research absolutely I think like um it can be a tool for, for skeptics. It can also be a mechanism for change in the medical and social services sector um, where, you know, for so long there's been this barrier of language and there's been this, what, what were you calling it earlier? There's been like this, um, there's this fear of sociopathy and of, you know, uh, you know, association with like Dahmer or, or you know, Manson. Like, you know, these are the people that don't feel empathy. And, and if, if Rad is lacking empathy and it looks like sociopathy then it is it is a innate cause for chaos and for for um you know drama and that is not at all fact it's not accurate it's not fact and you know there's this disconnect between what rad is in action in life in reality within the home and what it is academically and and there is a lack of transparency in the placement system and in the um, just in the understanding of, of what reactive attachment disorder or attachment disorders look like in action over the periods of growth and development, whether you're doing, you know, your own strategic, you know, you, you have your own strategies for breakthrough and change or you're following, um, you know, the classic 
ineffective strategies. Yeah, yeah if you're following the guidance um, of a system or um, a therapeutic yeah. resource recommendation, you know, if, if you're not thinking of your own strategies, because at the end of it, too, um, the child that you are taking care of, that you're raising and you're guiding, you do have to try your best to know that child and um, know what's going to work for that child or know what may be temporary or, or not work at all. You have to dig deeper within that. But Always adapt. It, yeah, you have to con- continuously adapt, uh, but it is um, exhausting. You know, we're talking about caregivers that are exhausted um, and are constantly turned down and turned away and yeah, and they're judged and they're they're doubted um absolutely within even within their own marriage within their their own family structures absolutely we have families breaking down divorces constantly um it's very sad good good people um being legally held to um lies of foster children or yeah, just yeah i mean it just attachment it, accusations that it, are just bizarre it goes on and on so yeah, we, we we really just want to create a discourse here and we want to have, the, we want to neutralize the language um, and, and, and take a chip at, at awareness in the community and just um, work towards progress because the way things are currently doesn't work and um, the issue is just getting bigger and bigger by the day. We see it every day, the growth of broken families. Um, misinformed families of attachment disorder children that are not receiving any kind of actual benefit from the system that they're in because they're running the show and um, you know people are are kind of they're put in a corner with all of the academic um, I I, I just want to say bullshit because that's what it is I mean it's just a lot of bullshit it's a lot of it's a lot of bullshit going on in this in this field just I mean if just the general demand and strain that is on, um, you know, the system for children that are abandoned or taken out of homes, um, and when it comes down to uh, different demographics, you know, the socioeconomic standings, and um, things really begin to change and shift, and um, there are certain epidemics in our country that are going to intensify the problem. The problem. Yeah, I think I think you know without we, we don't want to um, we don't want to just kind of reveal all of our content right away. But you know what she's I think referring to is the opioid epidemic and like you know these are things that have to be addressed because they are real topics. They are real thing. There's real death. There's real neglect. There's real addiction. We're talking not just moms. You know, uh, we're talking babies being born addicted every day to to fentanyl, to heroin, to other opiates that. You know, the system is still overlooking and saying, oh, react attachment disorder is rare. Right, exactly. And that's where I was going. Yeah. Exactly. It's the, the rarity that is still being claimed and um, printed in journals and um, with harsh language. From mouth too. to mouth, very harsh language. And uh, the, the social workers that are being trained and told what is true and what isn't true, but they don't they don't actually know. They don't have the experience. They aren't in the field. Um, so it just continues to get overpassed, uh, misunderstood. There's not enough resources or research, or research given to attachment um, disorders in general. Also, specifically reactive attachment disorder. 
um, and now on the new umbrella terms that are coming in the DSM-5 and how things are be broken down, there's just not enough knowledge. And as things continuously change in our environment and within family structures, um, there needs to be more talking. We need to talk about it, get it out there, regardless of fear or stigma um, or a, a religious belief or um, old political uh, yeah, PC terms. And yeah, PC terms. Ex- the fear of triggering people. Yeah, or, we're not about that life. No, you, we have to get this out there. It is um, detrimental. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I would say, like, a passion project is a mild term. I mean, this is kind of like the hill that we are, you know, not only are we raising a kid on, but we are kind of prepared to die on because, um, you know, we weren't opposed to all of this information. We didn't. We didn't start out with a with a disbelief in the system. We didn't start out with with our own um, kind of ideals and, and agendas. We didn't have that. I mean, in the beginning, just you know, it's just been a process of trying to rely on the system and the system failing. And then when we became um, kind of the, the administrators of a support community, we really were exposed to how widespread. It, I mean, this isn't just in this country. No, we no, have members all not. over the world. I mean, we're talking every country and, um, you know, then we have inter, you know, we have international issues where we have a lot of international adoptions by uh, more affluent families. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, not to be an alarmist here, but those sometimes end in the death of the child. Absolutely. Um, I think it was a Russian scenario where uh, the woman's still in jail and she, she snapped and she accidentally um, ended the life of her child and it was a, it was another rad situation and these things are not being discussed in a language that is um, neutral for everyone to understand and there is a level of I think authority and a level of training and a level of awareness that should in fact already be in place before attachment disorder children are placed in homes and so I think part of my my goal is to advocate for that you know I mean I just want to see some requirements on who who we're placing these children with absolutely um so yeah we we definitely have so many topics I mean so there's you know we haven't even uncovered we, we haven't even unzipped this no uh-huh. by far not um we're speaking from experience um personally um for an extended period of time how we've in- individually um been affected and together how we've been affected how our our child who we chose and who we love has been affected and how you know love isn't enough and what needs to happen yeah, the, the shifts and the shifts in consciousness and awareness that need to take place. And, um, you know, speaking of our child who we love and chose, um, you know, this is also a platform for her voice. And I think that's a unique position that we have. Um, she actually has a really, okay, not all the time, but when she's in her awareness, <laughs> she has a very unique perspective. She's actually on the caregiver side. She is totally um, transparent, brutally honest about the truth of, of, kind of what's going on in, in the mind of a, a teenage rad, um, you know, female rad child. Like, she will tell you if there's a scenario where, um, you know, you you write us or you leave a, a voice message on Anchor or something like that, um, she will address that on air and say, like, this is what I would do, and it's hard to hear it. It's hard to hear it from a, a child's mouth. But, I mean, that is part of 
this neutralizing the language. Yeah, we have we have worked very hard with her um, to be able to identify when she can and when we can um, identify what she's feeling, what she's thinking, what her intention is and um, her motive and the goal of the outcome, what that is. And that takes a, a, a lot of hard work on all sides. But because of that, um, she, not all the time, but she can be in a place where she can be honest, even if the truth is ugly, even if um, it doesn't want to be heard or admitted, she can, she can say it. And um, that, that matters because if, you know, there are traits and characteristics that are, um, exist either way because of what happened while she was with her birth mother, then um, they can at least be used towards the benefit right. of a community and of other children like her and other caregivers like us. Right, and she she um, has the awareness to be brutally honest, but she doesn't have the experience of a parent to kind of leverage like the child innocent perspective um, that every other adult who doesn't <laughs> even have experience with with reactive attachment disorder attachment uh, trauma they they just put that 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 bias you know they, they put that bias in these scenarios and she doesn't have that parental bias um and we have been overtly honest with her about things um with with this community and she is very much compelled and driven to make a change as well she thinks it is um, heinous actually how the system works yes. you know I mean of course she has her moments where she's more concerned um, with her hair you know but like <laughs> on average when she's engaged in this topic I mean it's very um, enlightening to hear her perspective and she's she's been able to really help some people um, in a private like message kind of scenario where there's oversight from you know one of us but she's kind of guiding uh, parents that are trying to break through with their kids and like you know we use her as a resource in those scenarios to say like hey what do you think and yeah. she's been we've, we've had a lot of um yeah, efficacy the, there yeah that desperate moment where like a parent is like okay i i know this may not change but how do i get my child to just hear me just even if it's What's for the a minute level? just please just hear what i'm saying right now even if just to get the message that i do care right you know i do care across um how do you speak in their language and right. she can kind of be that buffer? So on, you know, upcoming podcasts and in the future of this, uh, there's going to be a lot of topics that we cover and some of them are going to be um, maybe controversial. And, oh, absolutely. You know, um, so expect that, but know that it's coming from a place that is um, Experienced genuine. Experienced and yeah. genuine, yeah. It's a genuine care and like wanting and demanding change. Um, a lot of times what happens is like these children are, you know, it's like uh, there's an additional layer of protection because we don't want to, you know, put them in a category that we feel that we have decided is, you know, too extreme for a child. And so then we end up taking away some of the tools that they need to actually be functioning in society as as they grow into their teenage years and their, and their um, you know, their young adult years. And like, what are they going to do for careers? I mean, these are things that when you're in the chaos of rad every day or attachment traumas every day, you know, it's hard to even get through that day, let alone think, okay, in five years when they're, you know, 19 years old, what are their options going to be? What are their skill set? You know, what kind of skill set are they going to have? And if we protect them unnecessarily when they are 
built for truth. They are built for honesty. I'm not saying you can tell a four-year-old everything, but you know, if you know your child and you are prepared and well-informed, like they are built for the brutal truth. And you know, in your language to your child, and we're here to support um, removing the veil. I mean, that's yeah. you know, just just um, no more crazy making, no more you know, 16, 20 diagnoses and medications for something that could be summed up. Yeah, and to stop to stop coddling when you don't when you don't need to anymore. And I mean coddling in a sense of um, not allowing somebody to realize what they're capable of in in both ways, how they can negatively affect and exploit and manipulate people, but then how they can positively enhance other people's lives or their lives, whether it's just the skills that they do have, whether it's spotting something or having an instinct or um, being able to, you know, sniff out a truth or whatever it is, like, they you do have, have to break that yeah. stuff down. You have to let them know what their core competencies are and what they are not. Yeah, we have to um, We have to assimilate them into, you know, uh, the literature will tell you that, like, you know, there's treatment and this can be fixed and, like, all of these things. And, you know, here we are 15 years later and we've tried it all and we've seen it all. And I'm telling you that the treatment is you putting in the effort to, to remove the power of triangulation and manipulation from the scenario and to get dig, dig really deep and get down and dirty with your kid when they're mature enough to converse with you. And um, we're going to cover so many topics of um, breakthrough strategies and they're not permanent things. I mean, these are breakthroughs for momentary um, uh, enlightenment, if you will, you know, so we can get messages across. Like there are things that you haven't Heard, and there are things you haven't tried and there are you know uh, communities out there to give you the support and to kind of um, normalize for you to help you normalize and you're not alone and your kid has you know the potential to improve in, in ways that will improve your own life and your balance yeah exactly. absolutely <laughs> you do deserve to improve your own life and know what a healthy boundary is and know when you need to pause it for time out or say um like not today you're not going to be the center of the universe today and trust your own instincts and kind of pull yourself back from the system of 14 therapists and 14 medications and Mm -hmm. you know uh the system of you know 16 different kind of books telling you to do attachment therapies at home this way and how did we end up here and feeling guilty and having carrying all this regret and then resentment resentment and allowing other people to make you feel like you're a bad person because you do question what things could have or would have been like or what has changed along your path a lot of times um choosing to raise a child that isn't your biological child completely changes the path that you would have had and um that deserves some um it it deserves some recognition some recognition absolutely And, like, uh, managing expectations for people moving forward. There are going to be people out there in the world who who are planning to foster, to adopt. And, like, we need to talk about these things so that people have the awareness and the transparency kind of when they're moving into that phase of their life and they need to manage their own expectations, their own desires, their own intentions. Yeah, like, if you're just trying to, you know, uh, make a baby and you can't, and so you, you move into the next option, which is foster and adopt, like, there's conversation that needs to be had before you make that choice. So. Um, 
I think what we're going to talk about in our next main podcast, uh, we're going to discuss the new um, criteria, diagnostic criteria from the DSM-5 and just overview kind of the acronyms and all of these diagnoses that uh, the, the diagnoses that are that are kind of popping up everywhere. Um, and then, you know, just t- talk about the attachment and trauma literature, the umbrella, um, what that looks like right now, um, what kind of things are trending. And then we're going to explain to you our views and our rejections of those things and how we look at it. Um, you know, kind of talk about personality disorder and attachment disorder, post-traumatic stress, Absolutely. traumas. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not only our own experience that we have to um, kind of put these in a, in a table of comparison, <clears throat> compare and contrast in real life versus textbook life. Um, like we said, uh, we have a high exposure to many, many caregivers and parents like us and in even more tense situations than we And qualify too. And they're yeah, qualified more qualified. People. Yeah, absolutely. So um, And they're well they're, they are scheduled to come on and speak and tell their stories and absolutely. Their, we'll have appearances from um, from other caregivers. There's more to come in the future and if you have questions or if you have a topic, um, if you felt alone and now you think maybe there's a space you can tune into in the car drive to work or whatever it is like let us know um you can reach out on anchor um anchor.fm anchor.fm you can leave a voice message for us there you can send us an email at reactiveattachments at gmail.com and we'll it's also reactive attachments at facebook and instagram too facebook and instagram as well we're working on it thank you um, for your time and listening to us and we're gonna to try to get this content out. Um, at least what we're we're trying what two two podcasts a week right now is what our goal is. Yeah. Maybe some um you know uh, occasional additional content. We'll see. Um, but we're gonna really try to make sure that we're reliably putting out content for you guys. So um, stay tuned and just you know hang in there with us. You're not alone. And you know we see you and we hear you. And we care. All right. Well, thank you guys for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.